morning, everyone. Welcome to worship here at Stone Church. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning. And whether you're here for the first time or visiting or have been members for a long time, I hope that you feel a special sense of God's love alive here in this place. Um, if you'll take a moment and sign those pew pads at the end of your pews and pass it to your neighbor, learn their name. Um, we appreciate you marking your presence with us and indicating any needs that you might have as well. A couple of announcements. If you look in your insert, there's lots of things going on. Um, I want to highlight some things. One is that uh, we are uh, creating a new church pictorial directory. And so if you haven't signed up, please sign up. You can go to stonechurch.org. There's an online sign-up times for those pictures, or you can sign up after worship um, here in the social hall. Uh, lots of different opportunities. There's trail walkers this Saturday, um, opportunities to serve the village house, um, a rotating shelter for homeless women, and so you'll see lots of ways to get plugged in to the life of the church. Um, so there's a lot of people here today, um, and there's something new happening this day. It's a good day in the life of this church. Um, today we are welcoming our new pastor and head of staff, the Reverend Sammy Evans. Sam, can you stand up for us? And so as we welcome her into this life of this congregation, I invite you now to find your orange insert, it's really bright orange, and we're going to do a welcome liturgy for Sammy. Friends, let us rejoice on this good day, gathered in the canopy of heaven's blessing, to receive our sister in Christ as she takes her place among our cloud of witnesses. Let us affirm one another, giving thanks to God. Reverend Sammy Evans, this morning we extend our hearts and hands to you in welcome and blessing. May your new work excite your heart, kindle in your mind creativity and a growing compassion for all of God's people. Sammy, we embrace you as our pastor, walking in faith together as we step into this next phase of our church's history and its story. May this work challenge you toward new frontiers that will emerge as you begin to approach them, calling forth from you the full force and depth of your undiscovered gifts. May the work fit the rhythms of your soul, enabling you to draw from the invisible new ideas and a vision that will inspire. Today we become your community of faith, your family in spirit, and your partners on mission. May you come to know that work which, which emerges from the mind of love will have beauty and form. We do not expect you to be a miracle worker or to do all that is required of us. Simply love us, do your best, encourage, invite, compel, and equip us for our work of ministry. Walk faithfully with us, no matter how sweet or how steep the journey becomes. May this new work be worthy of the energy of your heart and the light of your thought. May your work assume a proper space in your life. Instead of owning or using you, may it challenge and refine you, bringing you every day further into the work of your heart. Sister, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God and with us. We welcome you, Sammy. Okay. 
Let us worship God. Please join me in the call to worship. We gather to worship God, whose creative imagination never fails. For the sake of God, we will search for the outcasts. We gather to praise our God, whose steadfast love never weakens. For the sake of Jesus, we will lift up all who have fallen. We gather to offer our best to God, who walks with us through eternity. For the sake of the Holy Spirit, we will walk with the weary. Let us worship God.
walk through life confident, strong, boasting of all our achievements. But God sees the hurts we have inflicted on others, the weariness in our bones from chasing after bad choices, and all the foolishness we trip over in the busyness of life. Let us come to God, for the one who listens to our faltering words is the one who gives us the word filled with grace and mercy. Join me as we pray together, saying, Everlasting God, we cannot hide from you, even if we were to go from one edge of creation to the next. You speak to us of compassion, but the ways in which we treat others show we have not been listening. You explain your hopes to us, and we act as if we don't have a clue as to what is going on. You call us to follow you, and yet we admit we are afraid of what we will look like if we did so boldly. Forgive us, take us by the hand to show us the way to life with you. Heal our broken hearts so we can offer them to others. Fill us with your strength so we can bind ourselves to Jesus, our Savior, following him to serve all of your children. My friends, the good news for us to stay is as simple and as complicated as this, that God loved the world so much. God loves you and God loves me so much that God sent Jesus to live, to die, and to rise again so that we might have life and have it abundantly. Let us rejoice, then, in that good news for all of us this day, that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Hallelujah and amen. And now I invite you to take that peace that you have been given and to pass it to one another. The peace of Christ be with you. Uh, good morning, all. As most of you know, the Men's Mission and Ministry um, has had a February fundraiser for many years. And um, first it was a crab feed and then an Italian dinner. And this year it's a wine tasting and auction. So we'd like for you to help us uncork the future for our neighbors up in the North Bay. Okay. You like that, huh? Um, actually, I have to admit, that's a, that's a John Lococo um, <laughs> phrase. So we're going to be donating, the Men's Mission and Ministry is going to be donating the proceeds from the wine tasting and auction on February 17th uh, to the Westminster Woods and Presbytery of the Redwoods in both of their supports of the Tubbs Fire victims up there in that area. So we're hoping to make a donation in the vicinity of uh, three dollars to $5,000, and so we'd like for you to come to this event on the 17th and help us raise that money. We have six wineries represented. Um, they include J. Lore, uh, Cypress Vineyards, this uh, obscure Ribble family winery, <laughs> um, the Cotiri Cellars, which actually started out in Willow Glen and has now moved up to Julian Avenue in San Jose, and a couple more that uh, Mike Wiley has secured for us. So with your entry, you will get 
a tasting ticket for each of the wineries and for a donation of $6 or $3 for uh, or three tickets for $15, you can get a, you can drink, you know, have a five ounce uh, glass um, to drink. So if you decide which wine or wines you like, um, you can get more of that. And then you can also buy a bottle or two, um, which we hope you will, because that helps us raise money as well. Um, so uh, there will also be uh, finger foods and such at the winery uh, tasting tables for you to um, enjoy. Uh, there'll, so there'll be plenty of tasty, um, handy, and interesting items for the auction this year, and our fabulous uh, auction team of uh, Meacham and Bowers are returning. <laughs> and then we'll have some entertainment during the uh, tasting that'll be provided by uh, Toby Wessels and, um, and his piano. Do you want to come? Well, uh, please sign up. and. Um, we need to kind of get an idea how many people are coming. Leland Wong, um, there he is, will be handling signups in the social hall today, and then you can also email me or you can email Leland um, with your um, kind of an RSVP. Um, so I guess that's it. Thank you, and hope to see you all there. The Old Testament lesson today comes from the book of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 to 31, and it's in your pew Bible on page 668. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word of the Lord.
joy to be with you all today on this first day in February. Uh, these California winters, am I right? <laughs> wow, I love it. Um, I'm pleased to report that we are moved in. Our home feels like home. We have a new kitten friend who is absolutely insane. Uh, she is growing and I pray every day maturing. Um, but we are happy, our families are happy, they're already planning their visits, and our bodies are strong thanks to the amazing food that so many of you provided, uh, and our hearts are full. So thank you for the warm welcome, all of you. Um, the litany was beautiful, and I am so excited for the ministry that we are going to get to do together. And with that in mind, uh, let us turn to scripture, to read Mark 3, 23, or 20 through 35. It is page 37 in your Bible if you would like to follow along. Let us listen now for a word from God. And the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying that he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of demons he casts out demons. And he called to them, Jesus, and spoke to them in parables, saying, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up that strong man. Then indeed, the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, People will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said he has an unclean spirit. And then his mothers and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said, Jesus, your mother and your brother and your sisters are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, saying, 
who are my mother and my brothers. And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah, Jody, Mary, Joe, and Claudia, send your Holy Spirit to rest upon and move among us. Enlighten us with your truth, comfort us with your grace, and guide us with your light. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, friends, on this first Sunday, uh, there are so many things that I want to share with you. And there are so many things that I want to know about all of you. But this is Communion Sunday. And in keeping with... Uh, sermon that is shorter. I'm going to try my best. Truly, I am. Um, I don't think I succeeded very well, but I'm, I'm going to work on it, all right? Uh, but what I want to say is that I don't know you that well just yet, which means that I don't know the struggles that you are facing in your individual lives. But what I do know is that you live in the same world as I do, uh, and that currently I mean, probably has always been this way and always will be, but it is especially confusing and heartbreaking. And it is hard to sift through what is happening, especially in our country. Uh, and it is difficult to, to understand how it is that God is calling us as Christians to work in that. And so I hope that this word will be that. I hope that I um, speak a word of comfort to you all today, a word of inspiration that you can carry with you throughout this week. I am truly thankful that on this Sunday, my first Sunday, uh, we are blessed with being in the season after Epiphany. Uh, and that is because Epiphany is this time where the lectionary gives us all of these accounts of the beginning of Jesus's ministry. And I see it as a great blessing and a special opportunity to begin our ministry together by exploring the beginning of Jesus's. And so last week on Irene's first Sunday back, she got us started with the lectionary text from Mark, which tells us of Jesus's own first sermon. And as she stated, it just had to be an incredibly complicated text, even if you don't have baby brain about demon possession and exorcism. And I appreciate her boldness in getting into that text, even though it is one with our postmodern brains, we uh, fail to, or we struggle to grasp and apply it to our everyday lives. But Irene preached a faithful and comforting sermon that demystified the presence of demons in our lives by talking about these demons as anything, internal or external, that prevents us from believing and being the beautiful and good children that God has created us to be. Now, this is a word that we all need to hear over and over again because we never stop forgetting our belovedness, but also because the demons of this world 
are restless. And so today on my first Sunday, I would like to continue with the story in Mark in order to examine communal and systemic consequences that we face when we take seriously our call to proclaim the gospel and cast out demons. And so the communal consequences, these are that those closest to us might fail to understand and support what it is that we are doing. They might even believe that we have lost our minds. And the systemic consequence for proclaiming the gospel and casting out demons is that those demons will do anything they can to discredit and impede us from doing the work that we have been called to do. Which is a reality that Jesus faced throughout his entire ministry. Leading up to the text for today, Jesus had been living into his call and attracting a lot of attention for doing so. His own family, upon hearing how much attention he was getting, sought out to stop him, for they too believed that he had gone out of his mind. And then seeing an opportunity here, the religious authorities do one better, proclaiming that yes, he is out of his mind. In fact, he has one of those demons that he has been casting out. And to this accusation, Jesus proclaims a harsh warning, saying whoever blasphemes, meaning speaks against the Holy Spirit, is unforgivable. And then with all of this swirling about, he goes on to tell those who are seated around him that the one who does the will of God is his mother and brother and sister. So the one who gets it right, who understands what Jesus is doing, the one who faithfully discerns and then does the will of God, well, this one's in the family. But the one who gets it wrong commits an unforgivable sin. Now, I believe that it is important to say right now that these verses are loaded and complicated and that people holding claim to the will of God have so terribly abused and used these verses to manipulate, shame, and frankly destroy people and entire communities because we are all afraid of getting it wrong. And I will also firmly proclaim that no one person or community can hold claim to the will of God. It is God's will, and only God can hold claim to it. This means that one cannot formulate a step-by-step recipe for doing God's will. There are no universal directions. And this is because context matters. Who you are, the experiences you've had, the gifts you have, the gifts of those around you, and the needs of the community in which you are rooted matters. All of these are factors that must inform and shape your particular expression of doing God's will. But there is one guiding factor that will never lead you astray because it does not change, and that is our end, our destination, our goal, which is and always has been healing, wholeness, and reconciliation for individuals, for entire communities, cities, nations, for all of creation. From start to finish, Jesus' ministry 
was and continues to be confusing. He threw out the roll book. He spoke almost exclusively in parables meant to confound us. And he performed miracles that were truly beyond belief. But in practice, he did the will of God and proclaimed the good news by healing people, communally and systemically. He exercised demons. He told a paralyzed man to get up and walk. He sat and ate with society's most despised outcasts, bringing them from the margins to the center. He healed a leper who, because of his disease, was deemed ritually unclean and prohibited from even entering the temple, which was the center of all communal life, not just religious life. And then he healed a man on the Sabbath. And when he did so, he proclaimed, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? to save life or to kill it. The beginning of Jesus' ministry and the middle and the end are focused on bringing healing and reconciliation for individuals and entire communities. His own family struggled to understand it and the powers that be worked ceaselessly to stop him. But his willingness to do the will of God never faltered. And because of that, we have hope that the healing and reconciliatory powers of God will always outweigh any communal or systemic powers that would seek to thwart us from doing the will of God. And so with this in mind, I want to tell you a story about a man named Abdul Rahman Zaitun. Some of you may recognize his name if you read David Egger's book titled Zaitun which is a non-fictional account of Zaitun's life in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. Abdul Rahman is a Muslim man, born and raised in Syria. He traveled the world and eventually settled in New Orleans, uh, met and married his wife, Kathy, with whom he built a real estate business and a family with four beautiful young girls. And so when news of the hurricane hit New Orleans, many uh, residents evacuated including Abdurrahman's wife and children. But much to their dismay, Abdurrahman stayed behind to look after their properties and tenants during the storm. Now, as the storm came and passed, he took stock of the damage. It was minimal, a bit of work would need to be done, but he felt like the hype that surrounded this storm was way too much. But then, the levees broke. You'll remember Nearly the entire city of New Orleans was flooded. Now, it was at this point that Abdul Rahman came to believe that his purpose in staying was not limited to maintaining his business, for his purpose had expanded to include caring for all and any who needed him in this time of crisis. He soon came to believe that his impulse by a few years back of his to-date unused second-hand canoe like his stubbornness to remain in New Orleans, turned out to be rather providential. You see, there were many people in need, and Abdul Rahman had the gifts and the resources to help them. There were people in need of food and water, of which he had plenty, because his was quickly spoiling without electricity. There were elderly people, 
trapped in their homes in need of transport to evacuation sites. Dogs also trapped in their homes, abandoned and in need of daily food and company. And all of these he could help with the assistance of his handy canoe. Now, there were no shortage of people in need of healing, and Abdul Rahman courageously and indiscriminately worked to bring that healing about. And with each passing day, the conditions in the city became worse. With each passing day, his family became more convinced that he needed to evacuate. And with each passing day, Abdul Rahman became more convinced of his purpose and the need for him to stay in this destroyed city. With each passing day, he encountered another in need and fulfilled his purpose in bringing healing. That is until local police officers and members of the Coast Guard, military men and women called in to bring order, unjustly profiled him and wrongly detained him on suspicions of terrorism. He was held without trial or even charges in a makeshift prison camp that was built overnight. And then in solitary confinement in a local maximum security prison. For 23 days, he was harassed and mistreated, labeled a criminal and a terrorist. For 23 days, he was held unjustly. For 23 days, he feared that he might die at the hands of his captors while his family already believed him to be dead. For 23 days, he was punished for bringing healing to a broken city. For doing the will of God, the powers that be gave Abdul Rahman 23 days of wrongful imprisonment that nearly destroyed him. He was working to bring healness, healing, and wholeness to New Orleans, just as Jesus did for any synagogue, village, or community in which he found himself. And for doing this, the will of God, the consequences were slander, imprisonment, and even death. The wrongful imprisonment of Abdul Rahman is the result of a communal evil, where police officers, members of his very own community, who out of fear believed him to be out of his mind, failed to understand and support what he was trying to do and thus set out to stop him. But even more sinister, his wrongful imprisonment is the result of a systemic evil that discredited and impeded him from doing the work he was called to do. And this systemic evil is a chaotic mixture that we all know too well of Islamophobia and xenophobia, meaning the fear of outsiders, the war on terror, and of course, this America first rhetoric, which we all know means Anglo-Saxon Christians first rhetoric. This is a mix of systemic evil that led to the wrongful imprisonment of this man who was bringing healing to a broken community. It is one that we are seeing all around us today as well. I will say that I pray that God changes God's mind about the forgivability 
of this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because there are too many who are guilty of creating systems such as these. And also because it is impossible not to perpetuate or to participate in these systems that are evil. That is because we live in a broken world and it is inescapable. This is why we do a prayer of confession every single week. Not so that we can feel bad about ourselves or be convinced that we are unforgivable, but so that we can speak these evils aloud. And in doing so, cast out these demons that keep these systems in place. And so friends, I speak this word to you today because I know that many of you feel heartbroken, conflicted, and utterly confused about the state of our country and our world and even our church. And so my intention is to help you put words and scripture to what I am sure most of you already know to be true. That the will of God is for all creation to know healing, reconciliation, and wholeness. And the one who constantly seeks this healing is the mother and brother and sister and sibling of Christ. It is as simple as that. So as you move throughout this week in your jobs, in your families, in your neighborhoods, as you sort through the news, and attempt to make sense of what is going on, what is true and good and of God, I invite you to adjust your eyes to focus on healing. Do not let communal or systemic evils lead you astray. Know that polarizing rhetoric and evil systems will attempt to thwart you and misguide you, condemn you, and call you crazy. And when that happens, take comfort in the fact that you are on to something. Focus your gaze on healing. Look for the places in the most need of healing and places where you can be an agent of that healing. For it is when we seek to bring about healing to our broken world that we are called sisters and brothers and mothers of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, friends, in response to the word and in gratitude to God, let us receive our morning offering.
grace, it is our delight and our devotion to give these gifts to you. All we are and all we have are yours alone. Accept this joyful offering as a token of our abiding love. Use it to bring peace, justice, and comfort to all the world. Amen. My friends, it's the practice of Stone Church to receive the sacrament of communion by intinction. What that means is when it comes time, you will come through the center aisle, take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and then return to your seat through the side aisles. The red liquid is wine, and the amber color is juice. There are also pre-cut pieces and gluten-free pieces as well in the front. So I will have to say that when we were first all gathered and the place was really packed except for these two front rows my first thought was wow they are really good presbyterians <laughs> presbyterians always sit in the back it took me a moment uh to see the reserve signs welcome kiddos it is such a joy to see you all today on this communion sunday um the practice of communion this sacrament this holy blessing that we have been given uh, is a reminder of God's faithfulness to us. It is the place where we can come to find that healing that we all so desperately need. And it is also the place that models and fashions for us what the kingdom is supposed to be like. For this is the glorious feast of the kingdom of God, and when we celebrate it together, we act as though the kingdom has been fully realized. When you come to this table, know that no matter who you are, where you've come from, or where you are going, there is a place reserved here for you. And that is because it is Christ himself who has prepared this meal, and it is Christ who invites all, regardless of age, sexual orientation, race, country of origin, or immigration status, to come and partake in this meal. So friends, whether you come from the north, south, east, or west, near or far, I hope you will know and believe that there is a seat reserved for you at this table. And I hope that you will come and take that seat. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. God of grace, holy and just, it is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise and to worship you in every place. We remember that at creation you brought life out of chaos and began the great act of salvation. You created a wild and beautiful world. From the soil of the earth you have formed us in your image. We are a symphony of languages, a mosaic of customs, and a medley of flavors. We are your grand design and desire for humanity. You created a world of enough. You fed us manna and quail in the desert and struck water from a rock. You spoke to us through your prophets, and yet we continued to turn away from your open arms and lived our lives in scarcity and fear. And when we fell short, you were there. Your word was there on the lips of prophets and in the hearts of servants. 
in stories of revolution and revelation and liberation, calling us even now to acts of courage and witness and peace. And so we give you thanks, and we join our voices with all of creation who forever praise your holy name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed are you, O God, who sustains us in all things. And blessed is Jesus Christ, who shows us your way and gives us hope and strength. He was your biggest act of love for us, that we might receive your kingdom of peace as your children, not only those gathered in this place, but your, all your children throughout the world. Great spirit of life and unity through this simple meal draw us together. Renew our minds, reframe our thoughts, and reorient our hearts to beat with the rhythm of your call to shalom making. Reshape our understanding so that when we remember Jesus, we remember him as he was rather than as we want him to be, so that with our entire beings we may proclaim your eternal truth. Christ has died. Christ, Christ is, is risen. risen. Christ, Christ will come, come again. again. Loving presence, the same spirit which moved over the waters is now poured out over the gifts of the bread and cup. This bread, though broken, strengthens us to be your people who will not remain silent but will confront injustice, who will not rest until all the broken are healed. The cup, dipped into grace's river and handed to us, sends us forth to be a fountain of life where lonely spaces might be filled with love where desolation might be replaced with hope. And when, at the end of all time, we are gathered all together in peace, we will discover you have saved the best until then, as we sing to you, God in community, holy in one. Amen. My friends, our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this remembering me. In the same way, he took the cup. And in pouring it out, he said, This is the cup of the new covenant. That is the new relationship with God, which is made possible by my death. Every time you drink, remember me. Friends, when we gather to eat this bread and to drink from this cup, we remember our Lord's saving life and death. We rejoice at his resurrection and we proclaim that he will come again to bring healing wholly and completely. All has been made ready and all that is missing is you.
Almighty God, we thank you and praise you that you have given us these gifts of bread and juice as a sign and seal of your everlasting covenant with us. This sacrament is a constant reminder of your faithfulness and your goodness and the nature of your kingdom, which is breaking in all around us. We are so blessed by your presence in this meal, O God. We are strengthened in body and in mind, and we are binded to one another through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, I promise I will get better at keeping this to one hour. <laughs> I promise. Go forth into this world in peace, seeking the healing that Christ lived, was killed, and resurrected for. Be of good courage. Hold fast to everything that is good. 
Render unto no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. And honor all of God's children, remembering always to rest in the power of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God Almighty. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you, those you love, and for whom you pray this day and every day. Amen. Amen.